Welcome, podcast listeners. We have a fantastic episode for you today. Last year, when we published The Best Investment Writing, Volume 2, we offered authors the opportunity to record an audio version of their chapter to be released as a segment of the podcast. And listeners loved it. This year, we're bringing you the entire volume of The Best Investment Writing, Volume 3, in podcast format. You'll hear from some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers all over the world. Enough from me. Let's get to our guests and let them take over this special episode. Hi, this is Ray Micheletti, Co-Chief Investment Officer of Columbus Macro, LLC. Columbus Macro is an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. For more information about us, please visit our website at www.columbusmacro.com. In my current role, I help oversee the firm's investment activities with a particular focus on global tactical asset allocation strategies. Today, I will be reading a piece entitled The Smart Money Indicator, a new risk management tool, which was posted on Alpha Architect's blog in February 2019. We have all heard the mantra, you can't time the market. But in reality, investors attempt to do just that every day as part of their tactical asset allocation strategies, which are nothing more than less extreme variants of the classic trend-following, risk-on, risk-off approach that many associate with market timing. Moreover, numerous studies have shown that institutional investors routinely outperform individual investors over intermediate time horizons. These results are deep and robust. They hold across different metrics, different markets, and different time periods. And they're not terribly surprising given the inherent and persistent structural advantages institutions have over individuals, such as better information networks, deeper pools of human capital, and more advanced technological infrastructure. In light of these studies, we hypothesize that what institutions are doing in the financial markets may provide predictive insights. In that context, in a recent SSRN paper entitled, Want Smart Beta? Follow the Smart Money, Market and Factor Timing Using Relative Sentiment, we present a real-time, cross-asset, positions-based relative sentiment indicator to quantify exactly which side of the trade institutions are on. Derived from the commitments of Traders Report, the indicator measures in a novel way, the aggregate positioning inequities of institutional investors relative to individual investors. For simplicity, we refer to the indicator as the smart money indicator, or SMI, as institutional investors are often thought of as being the smart money. The main findings of the paper are as follows. One, with respect to market timing, institutional investors have demonstrated highly significant market timing ability over the 25-year history of the weekly commitments of traders report or COT report for short. This significance is both economic and statistical. It's evident in both halves of the data set, it passes extremely stringent data snooping tests, and it's exceptionally robust to different parameter combinations, lags in the data, and methods of computing the indicator. Two, with respect to time series momentum, regardless of the state of the market's time series momentum, that is its trend, returns are significantly higher when the SMI is positive and significantly lower when the SMI is negative. This effect is especially pronounced when the market has negative time series momentum. In such cases, annualized market returns are on average plus 30% when the SMI is positive and minus 20% when the SMI is negative. A spread of 50 percentage points in annualized returns, depending on whether or not institutions are buying the dip. In other words, the SMI appears to be adept at identifying when and when not to take equity market exposure during periods of negative time series momentum. Three. With respect to smart beta equity factors, while conventional wisdom tends to hold that smart beta equity factors are difficult, if not impossible, to time, the polarity of the SMI appears to largely determine the general return outcomes for several fundamentally based long short equity factors. 
In addition, both the statistical and economic significance of the SMI-based factor timing become quite strong when we further condition the timing on the state of the factor's time series momentum. Four, with respect to tactical asset allocation, we develop a walk-forward tactical asset allocation strategy using the SMI and compare it to several value and or momentum-based alternatives. Here we see that over the last 20 years, the SMI has been more efficient at identifying higher yielding equity market opportunities than either value or momentum, or a combination of the two. That is, the SMI-based strategy has produced higher returns, both absolute and risk-adjusted, with generally lower drawdowns while spending considerably less time invested in equities than its value or momentum counterparts. Five, cross-hedging pressure is the key to the SMI's performance. A paper by Darun et al. shows that futures risk premia depend not only on investors' positions in the futures contract under consideration, but also on their positions in closely related assets, or so-called cross-hedging pressure. The key innovation of the SMI is that it looks not only at investors' positions in equities, but also at their positions in long-duration bonds and along the yield curve. Tests show that all three components are vital to the predictive power of the SMI. Data and testing details. We use data from the weekly COT report to compute the SMI. The data set spans the time period October 6, 1992 to December 29, 2017, and encompasses 1,150 weekly data points. To account for the evolution of the COT report's accessibility during a portion of the time period under consideration, we incorporate a one-week lag of the COT data for our primary results. To administer the factor timing tests, of which market timing is a special case, we use factor returns obtained from both Professor Kenneth R. French's data library and from AQR's data library. The Smart Money Indicator. The SMI is the additive combination of three institutional versus individual relative sentiment components. These components include the following. One, equities relative sentiment, a measure of relative sentiment in the large S&P 500 futures contract. Two, long duration relative sentiment, a measure of relative sentiment in the 30-year U.S. Treasury bond. Three, yield curve relative sentiment, a measure of the difference in relative sentiment between the 10-year U.S. Treasury note and the 30-year U.S. Treasury bond. The first component is a direct measure of relative sentiment in equities. The second component functions as an indirect and inverse measure of relative sentiment in equities. Given the general inverse relationship between equities and long-duration bonds, if institutions are relatively bearish long duration, that might imply they are relatively bullish equities, and vice versa. This conjecture has empirical support, as Darun et al. finds strong cross-hedging pressure between the S&P 500 and the U.S. Treasury bond. Similarly, the third component also functions as an indirect measure of relative sentiment in equities. The idea here is that if institutions are relatively longer, shorter duration assets, i.e. relatively longer the 10-year note compared to the 30-year bond, that might imply they are expecting long duration assets to fare relatively poorly. And given the general inverse relationship between long duration and equities, that might correspondingly imply institutions are expecting equities to perform relatively well. We use composite z-scores to quantify the three relative sentiment components. We then add those components together, subtract off the cumulative median value to arrive at the SMI, and test whether its sign is predictive. The paper provides details of the computation. By its construction, the SMI ends up being a function of two parameters, which we label N as in Nancy and M as in Michael. N is the lookback length in weeks of the underlying z-scores. 
and M is the look back length, again, in weeks, over which we compute the trailing maximum or minimum value of each relative sentiment component. These extrema computations essentially smooth out the directional signals of the SMI and reduce whipsaws. It should be emphasized that the SMI is purely a relative indicator. Thus, institutions could be net short equities in the aggregate, yet still be relatively longer than they typically are and relatively longer than individuals are, which would cause the SMI to be positive. Moreover, given that institutions expend considerable resources attempting to ascertain the ongoing state of corporate and economic fundamentals, how they hedge their equity and bond portfolios in the futures market is essentially their consensus opinion on the state of those fundamentals. In that sense, the SMI may perhaps best be thought of as an implied fundamental indicator. Statistical tests for factor timing. To test the robustness of the SMI, we consider six different values for N, namely 39, 52, 65, 78, 91, and 104 weeks, corresponding to 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 quarters respectively, and 13 different values for M, ranging from 1 to 13 weeks. Further, we use the same M value for each relative sentiment component. That is, we make no effort to find either an optimal N value or an optimal combination of M values. With six N values and 13 M values, there are 78 pairwise SMI parameter combinations, and thus 78 individual SMI time series. Given our focus on the SMI sign, each SMI time series generates two sets of conditional returns, the set of weekly factor returns when the prior week SMI is positive, and the set of weekly factor returns when the prior week SMI is negative. Moreover, each SMI time series also generates two longer flat factor timing strategies. The first factor timing strategy goes long factor F when the prior week SMI is positive and is flat otherwise. The second factor timing strategy goes long factor F when the prior week SMI is negative and is flat otherwise. These conditional returns and longer flat factor timing returns serve as inputs to eight different factor timing tests. The appendix of the paper provides the implementation details of these tests. For example, how we incorporate different asset pricing models, how we handle heteroscedasticity, autocorrelation, outliers, and so on. Because we use one particular factor timing test to account for autocorrelation in three distinct ways, these eight tests produce 11 separate p-values of factor timing significance for each SMI parameter combination. We compute the median of those 11 p-values at each parameter combination to arrive at a 13 by 6 matrix of median factor timing p-values. This matrix conveys two things. One, how broadly significant any individual SMI parameter combination is, and two, how robust the SMI is across all parameter combinations. We further compute the differences in annualized returns and annualized volatilities between the two sets of conditional returns described above at each SMI parameter combination. This results in two 13 by 6 matrices. The first, the differences in annualized returns, provides a measure of the SMI's economic significance. The second, the differences in annualized volatilities reveals whether the SMI state with higher returns also has higher volatility, as modern portfolio theory would predict. Lastly, we employ a test that controls for data snooping, the bootstrap sampling-based multiple hypothesis testing algorithm of Romano and Wolf. This test takes as inputs an integer k, representing an allowable number of false positives, and a probability alpha, such that the probability that the number of false positives is greater than k is less than or equal to alpha. We set k equal to 1, that is, we allow one false positive, and consider alpha values of 0 0.1, 0 0.05, 0 0.01, and 0 0.001. 
Romano et al. state the typical alpha values are 0.1 and 0.05. However, DePrado and Lewis show that values of alpha less than 0.15 tend to be overly restrictive. That is, they generate too many false negatives. In this context, the values of alpha used in this paper appear to be sufficiently, if not excessively, conservative. The paper presents two sets of results from the multiple hypothesis testing algorithm. One set corresponds to the raw, unadjusted bootstrap samples. The other set corresponds to constraining the potential oversampling of time-localized outliers, both positive and negative, in the bootstrap samples. In order to gauge the broad performance of the SMI across all the aforementioned metrics, we present tables that summarize the number of SMI parameter combinations whose median p-values exceed certain significance levels, the number with differences in annualized returns and volatilities beyond certain thresholds, and the number deemed significant by the multiple hypothesis testing algorithm as a function of k and alpha with and without adjustments for outliers. Smart money market timing. To give one a visual sense of the SMI's ability to time the market factor, that is the market minus the risk-free rate, which we denote by MRF, we first plot the cumulative compounded returns of the positive SMI strategy versus the negative SMI strategy. Recall the positive SMI strategy goes long the market when the SMI is positive and is flat otherwise, while the negative SMI strategy goes long the market when the SMI is negative and is flat otherwise. Here we set n equals 78 and m equals 5. This parameter combination was selected because it exhibited the median performance from among a large contingent of the more statistically significant parameter combinations. Over the 22-year period from December 22, 1995, until December 29, 2017, $1 invested in the positive SMI strategy would have grown to $8.20, while $1 invested in the negative SMI strategy would have fallen to $0.52, cents. that is, one would have lost 48%. On an annualized basis, the difference in those two streams of returns is 27.2 percentage points. At the end of the period, the positive SMI portfolio was worth roughly 16 times the negative SMI portfolio. As a frame of reference, it took over 62 years, from 1926 to 1988 for a portfolio representing the top quintile of value stocks to be worth 16 times a portfolio representing the top quintile of growth stocks. While impressive, the performance of this particular SMI parameter combination is not an isolated event, nor is the general performance of the SMI fragilely dependent on its precise method of construction. To demonstrate this robustness, we consider 15 other computational variants of the SMI. These variants differ mainly based on the underlying COT data, futures and options versus futures only, the lag of the COT data, 0, 1, or 2 weeks, and the time period covered, the entire period, the first half, or the second half. However, we also consider other variants, such as incorporating the S&P 500 e-mini contract into the computation, or alternately subtracting off the rolling 3-year median or the cumulative 40th percentile, rather than the cumulative median in the SMI's construction. Further, we analyze each of the SMI's relative sentiment components, that is equities, long duration, and yield curve, separately and in groups of two. In the paper, we present a table with a statistical summary of each of these computational cases. For the baseline case, case one, which analyzes the full time period, uses futures and options commitment of traders data, and incorporates a one-week lag of the commitment of traders data, 72 of the 78 SMI parameter combinations have median p-values that are significant at the 0.025 level. 64 have median p-values significant at the 0.01 level, and 38 have median p-values significant at the 0.001 level. At the extremes, we observe t-stats as high as 6 
for certain SMI parameter combinations and certain factor timing tests. In terms of economic significance, and recall here we're looking at the differences in annualized returns between the cases when the SMI is positive and when it is negative, 49 of the 78 SMI parameter combinations have differences in annualized returns greater than 20 percentage points. And a 20 percentage point difference also happens to be the average difference across all 78 SMI parameter combinations for case one. Further, the differences in annualized volatilities of returns when the SMI is positive versus when the SMI is negative are negative for all 78 SMI parameter combinations, indicating that the higher returns when the SMI is positive come with lower volatility. Lastly, when controlling for data snooping using the raw unadjusted bootstrap data, 65 parameter combinations are deemed significant at the alpha equals 0.05 level, 50 are deemed significant at the alpha equals 0.01 level, and 19 of 78 are deemed significant at the unusually stringent alpha equals 0.001 level. These latter results all but verify the market timing performance of the SMI is likely not the product of data mining. Cases 2 through 7 also analyze the full data set, altering either the underlying commitments of traders' data, the lag of the commitments of traders' data, or the method of constructing the SMI. Each of these cases exhibits roughly similar levels of statistical significance as case 1. This robustness with respect to its precise construction method, data set, or lag period suggests the SMI's polarity is somehow able to capture the inherent forecasting advantages institutions have over individuals, along with the time horizons over which buildups and sentiment unwind. Note, the average holding period of the more significant SMI parameter combinations is approximately 16 weeks. Cases 8 through 13 analyze the individual components of the SMI separately and in groups of two across the entire data set. However, the statistical and economic significance of these cases pale in comparison to that of cases 1 through 7. The obvious inference then is that the predictive power of the SMI must largely stem from combining the hedging pressure of equities with the cross hedging pressure from long duration bonds and from along the yield curve. Cases 14 and 15 analyze the first and second halves of the data set respectively. Thus they encompass half as many data points and therefore have less power to identify extreme statistical significance. Nonetheless, both cases have a substantial number of parameter combinations indicating high significance. For the first half of the data set, case 14, 55 of 78 parameter combinations are significant at the 0.01 level. 62 have differences in annualized returns greater than 20 percentage points, and 57 are deemed significant by the outlier adjusted MHT algorithm at the alpha equals 0.05 level. For the second half of the data set, case 15, the corresponding numbers are 15, 30, and 22. The relatively fewer number of highly significant parameter combinations in case 15 was a function of two phenomena. The first is that the second half of the data set covers the Great Recession, and there was a cluster of slower moving SMI parameter combinations, i.e. ones with higher N and M values, that were vulnerable to incorrect forecasts during that time period. The second is the 2010 launch of ultra treasury bond futures. These contracts have even longer duration than regular treasury bond futures. Consequently, these ultra treasury bond futures absorb some of the long duration positions that otherwise would have been expressed in regular treasury bond futures. When we factor these ultra treasury bond futures into the construction of the SMI, which we do in a separate case, case 16, noticeably more parameter combinations exhibit high significance, which once again underscores the importance of accounting for relevant cross hedging pressures in the construction of the SMI. Smart Money Momentum Timing In light of the SMI's performance timing the broad market, 
It's natural to ask whether the SMI adds any incremental information beyond that provided by the market's time series momentum. What we find instead, however, is precisely the opposite. In the presence of the SMI, time series momentum adds no statistically significant information in predicting U.S. equity returns. This is most clearly illustrated by the SMI's ability to time negative time series momentum, that is, its ability to identify when and when not to take equity exposure when the market's time series momentum is negative. We begin by plotting the cumulative compounded returns generated by the following two longer flat timing strategies. Strategy one, belong the market when the prior week SMI is positive and the prior week time series momentum is negative, otherwise be flat. Strategy two, belong the market when the prior week SMI is negative and the prior week time series momentum is also negative, otherwise be flat. As before, we set N equals 78 and M equal to five and the SMI corresponds to case one above, that is futures and options commitments of traders data with a one week lag. Note, we use two different momentum indicators to identify the state of the US equity market's time series momentum. The first is an intermediate term total return and the second is a longer term moving average. To check robustness, we consider three different day lengths for the intermediate term total return, namely 63, 84, and 105 days, roughly corresponding to three, four, and five months respectively. And we look at three different day lengths for the longer term moving average, namely 150, 200, and 250 days. This leads to nine pairwise parameter combinations to quantify the market's time series momentum. The cumulative timing strategy returns that we discuss next for strategy one and strategy two, described above, are composites, averaged across all nine time series momentum parameter combinations. Over the time period 1997 to 2017, $1 invested in strategy one which recall is long the market when the prior week SMI is positive and the prior week time series momentum is negative and is flat otherwise, would have grown to $2.25, while $1 invested in strategy two, which is long the market when the prior week SMI is negative and the prior week time series momentum is also negative and is flat otherwise, would have fallen to 48 cents, a loss of 52%. This latter result highlights the potential danger of being long the market when both its time series momentum and the SMI are negative. In the paper, we present a table that summarizes the timing performance of the 78 SMI parameter combinations conditioned on the market having negative time series momentum for each time series momentum parameter combination. From the table, we see that for each time series momentum parameter combination, upwards of several dozen SMI parameter combinations are significant at the 0.01 level. Likewise, several dozen SMI parameter combinations are deemed significant by the outlier adjusted MHT algorithm at the alpha equals 0.01 level which is an especially extreme threshold in this case because periods of negative time series momentum represent only about 24% of the entire sample of 1150 weekly data points. But perhaps the most interesting result of the paper is the economic significance of the SMI's ability to time the market's negative time series momentum. To demonstrate this, we present a table that shows the average difference in annualized returns for each SMI parameter combination when time series momentum is negative averaged across all nine time series momentum parameter combinations. That is, we look at the annualized returns when the SMI is positive and time series momentum is negative and compare those to the annualized returns when both the SMI and time series momentum are negative. We do this for each of the 78 SMI parameter combinations and for each of the nine time series momentum parameter combinations. Taking the average across all of those parameter combinations to get one composite difference in annualized returns, we get an average return spread of 50 percentage points. Breaking this down, when time series momentum is negative, but the SMI is positive, the market, on average, returns 30% annualized. 
When timeshares momentum and the SMI are both negative, however, the market returns minus 20% annualized. Thus, the SMI appears adept at identifying when and when not to take equity exposure during periods of negative time series momentum. As one of the weaknesses of momentum as a tactical asset allocation indicator is that it tends to maintain reduced or zero allocations to equities well after the market has bottomed, momentum-based investors are perpetually susceptible to missing out on the often substantive returns that tend to occur right after significant market troughs as they wait for their momentum indicators to turn positive. The foregoing results suggest that by monitoring the SMI, momentum-based investors might be able to participate more fully in those post-trough rebounds. Smart Money Factor Timing Next, we examine the SMI's ability to time the following smart beta factors. 1. SMB, small minus big. 2. HML, high minus low. 3. UMD, up minus down. 4. RMW, robust minus weak investment. 5. CMA, conservative minus aggressive accounting. 6. LTR, long-term reversal. 7. STR, short-term reversal. 8. BAB, betting against beta and 9, QMJ, quality minus junk. We observe three types of factors. The first, group one, those that do better when the SMI is positive. Examples include SMB and STR. Group two, those that do better when the SMI is negative. Examples here include HML, RMW, CMA, LTR, BAB, and QMJ. And group three, those that exhibit no evidence of SMI timeability, such as UMD. The results for group one are only weakly significant, thus our focus here will be on group two factors. To get a visual sense of the SMI's ability to time group two factors, we plot the cumulative compounded timing returns for a selection of these factors, namely HML, RMW, BAB, and QMJ. For each figure, the SMI parameter combination corresponds to the one with the median median p-value from among a selection of the more significant ones. From the figures, we see that group two factors tend to drift sideways or higher when the prior week SMI is negative and sideways or lower when the prior week SMI is positive. In the paper, we present a table with the summary results for the group two factors. In the table, factor symbols followed by a plus sign indicate that the factor timing was further conditioned on the factor having positive time series momentum. Based on the data snooping results, the SMI by itself has moderately strong timing ability for group two factors and strong to exceptionally strong timing ability when the factors are in a state of positive time series momentum. For example, when timing HML, high minus low, unconditionally, 27 parameter combinations pass the outlier adjusted MHT algorithm at the alpha equals 0.05 level. When we condition on HML having positive time series momentum, 53 parameter combinations register as significant at that same level, while 25 are now deemed significant at the alpha equals 0.01 level, and four at the alpha equals 0.001 level. RMW really stands out in this regard. When RMW has positive time series momentum, virtually all of its SMI parameter combinations are significant at the outlier adjusted alpha equals 0.05 level, and 23 parameter combinations are deemed significant at the alpha equals 0.001 level. Group 2's results appear to agree with observed market behavior. As Group 2 factors are based on fundamentals or proxies for fundamentals, for example, value versus growth or quality versus junk, their short portfolios tend to consist of expensive, low-quality glamour stocks. Risk-on markets, i.e. when the SMI is positive, tend to reward these glamour stocks, which causes long-short factor performance to suffer. In contrast, risk-off markets, i.e. when the SMI is negative, They tend to penalize glamour stocks and reward quality, 
which leads to improved long short factor performance. Smart Money Tactical Asset Allocation In the paper, we develop a walk-forward tactical asset allocation strategy based on the SMI, where we include estimations of transaction costs, slippage, and management fees, and we compare it to the following alternative strategies. 1. A passive 60-40 portfolio consisting of U.S. equities and bonds rebalanced quarterly. 2. The 10-month moving average strategy, which is 100% in equities when the market is above its 10-month moving average and 100% in bonds otherwise. 3. A variant of the 10-month moving average strategy that looks at both the 10-month moving average and the 4-month total return. If both are positive, the strategy is 100% equities. If only one is positive, the strategy is 50% equities, 50% bonds. And if both are negative, the strategy is 100% bonds. 4. The CAPE plus trend strategy. This is the value and momentum strategy presented in ASNIS et al., which combines the inverse of the cyclically adjusted price-to-earnings ratio with a 12-month trend indicator. Note, the equity allocations in this strategy range from 50% to 150%, rather than from 0 to 100%, as with the other strategies. 5. We also present results for CAPE and TREND as standalone strategies. The time period of the backtest is 1997 to 2017. To better simulate real-world portfolio management conditions, for each strategy we average the results from three different execution variants. For example, for the SMI strategy, one variant trades on Thursdays, one trades on Fridays, and one trades on the following Mondays. For the month-end strategies, one variant trades on the second to the last day of the month, one trades on the last day of the month, and one trades on the first day of the following month. The trading vehicles we use are the broad U.S. equity market, represented by returns from Professor Ken French's data library, and an aggregate bond index, represented by the Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Bond Total Return Index. We assume four basis points of detrimental slippage relative to the closing prices on the day of execution, commissions of $4.95 per trade, and a 15 basis point management fee, with the exception of the 60-40 strategy, which has no management fee. In the paper, we show results across the entire backtest period, 1997 to 2017, as well as starting one-third and two-thirds of the way through that time period. From the figures and tables, we see the SMI-based strategy over all time periods generated higher returns with higher sharp ratios, higher capture ratios, and generally lower drawdowns while spending much less time invested in equities than its active counterparts. This suggests the SMI may be both more powerful and more efficient at identifying higher yielding equity market opportunities than either value or momentum, or their combination. Notably, over the 2011 to 2017 time period, a period during which equity markets rose strongly and it was generally detrimental not to be fully invested in equities, the SMI strategy outperformed its closest competitor, the trend strategy, by 75 basis points per annum while having a time average equity exposure of only 61% compared to 101% for trend. The efficiency of the SMI strategy does come at the cost of higher average monthly turnover, however. This turnover can be mitigated somewhat by rebalancing the SMI strategy at month end, similar to the other strategies, with little change in performance. Updated tactical asset allocation results through 2018. Given that we now have a full year of out of sample data, we present the full period results extended through 2018. In 2018, the SMI widened its outperformance relative to the other strategies, largely due to the fact that it rotated completely out of equities in August 2018 and subsequently sidestepped the 20% market sell-off in the fourth quarter, whereas all the other strategies had significant exposure to equities during that time. Comparison with cross-asset strategies. 
While not in the paper, we recently ran comparisons between the SMI strategy and various cross-asset tactical asset allocation strategies found in the literature. The cross-asset strategies we examine include, one, the Canary strategy, which was recently written up on Alpha Architect's blog. This strategy looks at the month-end fast-weighted moving averages of EEM and BND to determine whether to be in equities or in bonds for the following month. If both fast-moving averages are positive, the strategy is long equities. Otherwise, the strategy is long bonds. Two, the lumber to gold strategy, which looks at the lumber to gold ratio. If lumber is outperforming gold over the trailing 13 weeks, the strategy is long equities for the following week. Otherwise, it is long bonds. For lumber and gold performance, we use roll-adjusted continuous front month futures. Three, the 10-year to 30-year strategy, which looks at the trailing month's return of the 10-year U.S. Treasury note relative to the 30-year U.S. Treasury bond. If the 10-year outperforms the 30-year, the strategy is long equities the following month. Otherwise, the strategy is long bonds. We use roll-adjusted continuous futures for the 10-year and 30-year bond returns. Four, the S&P 500 to utility strategy, which compares the four-week return of the S&P 500 to the four-week return of the utility sector. If the S&P 500 has outperformed over that period, the strategy is long the S&P 500 over the next week. Otherwise, the strategy is long the utility sector. In order to provide an apples-to-apples -apples comparison across strategies, however, whenever this strategy wants to be long utilities, we invest in an aggregate bond index instead. Five, VTI. As a benchmark, we consider a buy and hold strategy on the Vanguard Total Market Index, VTI. As before, we consider three different execution variants. Moreover, we use the same assumptions with regards to trading vehicles, transaction costs, slippage, and fees. Below, we present the backtest results for the entire time period, 1997 to 2018, and for the last third of the time period, from 2011 to 2018. From the chart and table, we see that over the full period, the SMI and Canary strategies were quite similar in their performance and risk characteristics, both solidly outpacing the other strategies as well as the broader market, VTI. Over the last third of the time period, however, from 2011 to 2018, the SMI strategy appears to have begun separating itself from the pack, returning 12.3% annualized over that time period compared to 7.9% for the Canary strategy. Additional results. The following results are also not in the paper, but were generated based on suggestions and inquiries from Alpha Architects Wes Gray. We first look at the SMI's ability to time equity index ETFs other than the S&P 500, namely EFA, EEM, QQQ, IWM, DIA, and EWJ, the underlying indices of which all have their own commitments of traders' data. The following table displays the summary results using both the original SMI and index-specific SMIs found by substituting the indices' own commitments of traders' data for the equities relative sentiment component of the SMI. For example, when timing QQQ, substituting the NASDAQ 100 commitments of traders' data in place of the S&P 500 commitments of traders' data, and so on. We denote the index-specific results with an asterisk after the ETF symbol. For each index, the two sets of results, using the original SMI and the index-specific variant, are computed over the same time period, but the time periods differ between indices based on the historical availability of the index-specific commitments of traders' data. For some indices, the original SMI has more predictive power, for example, QQQ, while for others, such as EEM and DIA, their own commitments of traders' data adds value. Both EWJ and EFA, whose largest allocation is to Japanese equities, exhibit little or no statistical significance, but do show some signs of economic significance, that is, the differences in their annualized returns. IWM also shows low statistical significance, but fairly strong economic significance. Note, 
The COT data for EFA, EEM, and IWM have relatively short time histories going back only to 2011. We next examine the same equity index ETFs when they have negative time series momentum to see whether the original SMI or the index-specific variants can time those indices during such periods. The results are presented in the following table. As before, we denote the index-specific results with an asterisk. Notably, both the original SMI and the index-specific SMIs all show strong economic significance when timing the indices during periods of negative time series momentum. That is, several dozen parameter combinations with differences in annualized returns greater than 20 percentage points. The data snooping significance is also much higher across the board and now even registers for EFA, EWJ, and IWM. It thus appears the SMI may be capable of timing negative momentum for indices beyond the S&P 500. That's not too surprising given the correlations among equity indices. Next, we look at the cross-sectional behavior of the SMI. Here we compute the SMIs for each of the six indices listed above plus the S&P 500, substituting in the index-specific commitments of traders data for the equities relative sentiment component of the SMI. We then rank the SMIs each week and record the subsequent weekly returns corresponding to each of the different positions along the ranking hierarchy. We concatenate the respective returns each week to form time series corresponding to each of those ranks. We do this for N values of 52, 65, and 78, and for M values of 5 through 9 roughly the sweet spot of the SMI's predictive power, and we average the resulting time series of returns across those N and M values at each ranking position. We take those time series of average returns and compound them to arrive at a total return for each ranking position. Below is a plot of these total returns corresponding to the different ranks along the cross-section, from lowest to highest. The returns are roughly a monotonically increasing function of the rank. Further, looking at the frequency at which the indices appeared at the top or bottom of the rankings, we see that the two indices with the highest return since 2012, that is the date when all indices jointly have commitments of traders data available, namely SPY and QQQ, appeared at the top of the rankings with the highest frequency. Likewise, the two indices with the lowest returns over that time span, EFA and EEM, appeared at the bottom of the rankings with the highest frequency. These preliminary results suggest index-specific variants of the SMI might be helpful in predicting relative equity returns. 2018 out-of-sample factor results. Lastly, we present the performance of various smart beta factors during 2018. The returns are generally in line with what the SMI would have predicted. The SMI was bullish equities from January 1st until August 3rd and bearish from August 3rd until year end, based on the desired equity allocation of the SMI-based tactical asset allocation strategy discussed above. Below, we present the factor returns from each of these two periods alongside what one might have expected given the polarity of the SMI. When the SMI was bullish, seven of nine factors behaved as the SMI would have predicted. When the SMI was bearish, four of nine factors behaved in such a way. Of the five factors that the SMI predicted incorrectly during the bearish regime, three had negligible returns, RMW, STR, and BAB. The biggest miss during the bearish regime was with the long-term reversal factor, LTR, which was predicted to generate positive returns but fell 8.9% instead. The biggest hit during the bearish regime was with the market factor, MRF, which fell 12.8% from August 3rd until December 31st. Smart, but not perfect. Despite the strong economic and statistical performance of the SMI, it is not without its limitations. There have been multiple instances in which smart money institutions were on the wrong side of the trade, including recently. The smart money largely exited equities in mid-1999, but the S&P 500 did not top until March 2000, almost a full year and about 15% higher after institutions had become relatively bearish on equities. In the midst of the financial crisis, 
the smart money missed out on a 20% rally during October and November of 2008. At the market bottom in March 2009, institutions were seemingly caught by surprise by the change in gap accounting rules that precipitated the vigorous rally off the lows. The smart money was still short equities when the market bottomed and did not turn long until several weeks later, missing out on a good portion of the initial rally. The smart money was also bearish equities leading up to and well after the 2016 election. They did not turn bullish in the aggregate until mid-2017, again missing out on a decent rally. However, when they did finally turn bullish, the market began rising at a significantly faster rate than it had been prior to their getting long. The smart money was very long equities leading up to, during, and after the February 2018 sell-off in equities. The market did recover, however, and went on to make new all-time highs in September 2018. But as the equity market was rising to those new highs, the smart money was selling, getting out of equities at approximately 28.40 on the S&P 500 in early August, about six weeks before the eventual all-time high. The smart money was bearish equities in December 2018 when the S&P 500 bottomed at 23.50, and they did not turn long until early February 2019. So as one can see, the smart money indicator's timing ability has proven imperfect over discrete intervals. In general, however, it does appear that institutions, as measured by the SMI, tend to do reasonably well at identifying the broad market trends that play out over intermediate time horizons. Conclusion We construct a real-time, cross-asset, positions-based relative sentiment indicator that measures how institutions are positioned in equities and closely related assets relative to individual investors. Upon application of a wide array of statistical tests, including ones that control for data snooping, we find the indicator appears to exhibit 1. Highly significant and exceptionally robust market timing ability. 2. The ability to time time series momentum, particularly negative time series momentum. 3. The ability to time fundamentally based smart beta equity factors. 4. More efficient predictive power than either value or momentum from a tactical asset allocation perspective. 5. The potential to select equities from along a cross section. And 6. Out of sample results that are consistent within sample results. The SMI's performance, although perhaps extreme in many respects, is consistent with numerous prior studies that show institutions routinely outperform individuals over intermediate time horizons. It is also consistent with the study of Darun et al., which notes the effect of cross-hedging pressure on futures risk premia. Taken together, past and present results lead us to the seemingly inescapable conclusion. If you want smart beta, it may pay to follow the smart money. Or as the adage advises, the race is not always to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but that's the way to bet. (laughs) 